Hello and welcome to the Locked on Flyers podcast for Tuesday, February 25th. Your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content. That's a bit sad to see Kyle Crisculo go. Oh, me too. Uh, it's like, especially with the Flyers making such low-level deals, you just don't expect like a gut punch like that out of nowhere, and there it was. <laughs> exactly. But before we get started and talk about all the other trades the Flyers have made, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked on Flyers. Tweet us any of your questions for our, make, our weekly mailbag, or tell us how you think the Flyers are doing in the crazy Metro Division playoff race. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. We're your hosts. I'm Danielle. And I'm Rachel. And Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, honestly, wherever you get any of your podcasts. So subscribe to get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network, your team every day. So yesterday was a crazy day. There was just too much movement. I know. And after all that talk that it was going to be a quiet day, nothing was going to happen. It was one trade after another, starting from the morning. It really did. It was just one after another. Um, and today we're going to talk about those trades uh, that the Flyers made and the trades that uh, division rivals made. And then we will wrap up with our preview of the Sharks game tonight. So let's just jump right in. So the Flyers, one of the, the first trade that they made was for Nate Thompson from Montreal. And they traded a fifth round pick in 2021. So what did you think of this trade, Rachel? I think this one made a ton of sense. A perfect fourth line center with a lot of experience. And I think that, you know, we talked about the Flyers needing a center to kind of shore up that depth. And yeah, I think he really fits the bill. If you look at his stats, he's great on the penalty kill and uh, seems to be really great in the room from all we hear. So I think, you know, he's just the kind of addition that we were looking to get, especially considering the cap space we had. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Um, and after this trade uh, went through and we all, I mean, it was released on Twitter and we all saw, a lot of people were saying that, you know, these moves or specifically this move was made um, to free up Giroux on the on the penalty kill. And Chuck has talked about this and we talked about this on, on the podcast about how Giroux really has been taking a lot of defensive um face-offs and and just playing on the penalty kill and that's kind of not hindered him offensively but definitely has taken up um he's taken up a a big defensive role for the team and this this move and the next move we'll talk about I think definitely helps free him up a bit yeah I think that's a great side effect of this trade for sure yeah and with the Flyers getting uh two centers it's just good to see that Drew is safely tucked away on that wing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That experiment is over. Uh, I referenced this, but the Flyers also um, traded uh, for Derek Grant um, from Anaheim for Kyle Crisculo and a fourth round pick in 2020. Similar to to the Nate Thompson trade, Derek Grant, just a a good defensive center and doing very well on the penalty kill. He's a little bit more flexible than Thompson, you know, who's 
just a center. Mm -hmm. Grant can play on the wing and can play on either side from what we've been told. So that's good to have kind of another utility forward that's probably, you know, will vacillate between being in the the lineup and in the press box. But it's like you need that guy. And I think that Grant is much better than Chris Stewart, who had been sort of serving that role. Yeah, and he's having a pretty good season so far uh, offensively. I mean, in 49 games, he has 14 goals, six assists for 20 points. And that's definitely, um, I mean, he's having a really good season this year, I think. I think um, I, I'm not sure how Anna, Anaheim has been playing uh, him, but, you know, I'll take those 14 goals and hopefully he can produce like this on the Flyers. You know, I think that for you know all the people who like the big flashy moves, I really, really appreciate that Chuck seems to have done what his guys asked for and not kind of thrust something upon them. Right. And messed with the chemistry in the room that when the guy said, you know, we're a good team, you can trust us. And he's like, yep, you're a good team. I can trust you. What do you need to be successful? And they said, you know, maybe just a couple of veterans with a little bit more experience to help shore up our our forward depth and we should be good to go. And that's what they got. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And it's good to see that, you know, um, that trust from GM to team because the Flyers are playing a lot better and they're and, and they they you can tell that the guys in, in the locker room they're pushing to to make the playoffs and it's good that tr- that chuck is rewarding them for that because so often you know in the past we didn't really see the gm do that so i definitely agree with you so chuck um he you know met the media and he had some quotes was there anything that stood out to you that you liked from chuck yesterday um yeah i think that was the main thing for me that he really kind of respected the team that that we have and and didn't want to upset that apple cart per se and i think that they coordinated really closely with av on this which is always good and um i think that it also appears that they looked at advanced metrics in deciding who specifically to go after to fulfill these roles that, you know, they looked at defensive zone starts versus offensive zone starts and just really kind of dug into the details to try and find somebody that was going to fill the exact role they needed, but also be good in the room with the guys they have. Yeah, and that's that's not surprising because one of the things that we've heard from Chuck when he became the new general man- manager is that he definitely relied on the, his analytics team in Minnesota, and um, the Flyers actually hired two additional uh, analytics um, people for their department um, after Chuck got here. So that that makes a lot of sense, and it's good to see. It is. And, you know, from all the player quotes, too, it seems like that they're all really happy with it. And that even though they don't know Grant as well as they know Thompson, just from playing less against Grant, they all seem to, you know, respect Thompson a lot and are looking forward to playing with him instead of against him, just from a face-off perspective. And they know how good that he is on the PK. And so again, they're looking forward to having him on their team as opposed to having to fight against him. Yeah, and that's all great things. Um, so I'm excited for the guys uh, 
one thing that, um, I, uh, one quote from, uh, Chuck that I heard that I really liked was that he said, um, you know, he's not on social media a lot, but based on what he did see, he's trading Shane Gossespear a lot. And he said, I, he doesn't know where that came from. He really likes Shane and he likes where, or like how the Flyers defense looks right now. So that wasn't in his mindset was to switch up the defense which for me is just like a huge sigh of relief because that is the one thing we've been talking about a lot because it just seemed like that was, if you were going to make a big move or you were going to try to make a move, um, Shane would be on the, be the person that you move out. So <laughs> I thought that was funny, but also very relevant. Me too. The other weird thing was that, I don't know if you followed any of the coverage on TV specifically, but they had kind of a trade bait list Mm -hmm. rotating through and Brian Elliott appeared on that list and I was just like where did that come from (laughs) there was no talk of him going anywhere I mean I know there was obviously some goaltending needs across the league as you know the day panned out but there there was just no chance Brian Elliott was going anywhere anytime soon yeah that didn't make any sense to me but uh I, I didn't really believe it when I when I saw little whispers about it I was like no there's no way Yeah. And then the other thing we should mention, the very small deal at the tail end of the day, uh, the Flyers traded TJ Brennan, who we know from our Phantoms talk has been uh, sitting out for the last several months and, you know, has had some problems with the organization. Just there's a conflict there. And so I'm just really happy that he's going to have another shot somewhere else. Yeah. And just kind of get a fresh start. Yeah, it's definitely bittersweet. I like TJ uh, Brennan, but you're right. There was definitely some conflict. So it is good to see him get a fresh start um, and new opportunities elsewhere. So based on some of the moves that the Flyers made, we saw some transactions. Um, like pretty much after uh, the news hit on uh, Twitter um, is that um, Bunneman and Farabee were sent down to the Phantoms. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, it's just a paper transaction. Like, they're just moving this for, like, cap, wiggle room, whatever. But then it was confirmed that no, Bunneman and Farabee are being sent down to play with the Phantoms. What did you think of that, Rachel? It makes sense, for sure, for Bunneman to get sent back down. While he's been solid on that fourth line center role, you know, he doesn't especially stand out and I can understand the veteran leaders wanting somebody with a little bit more experience especially going into the playoffs just to you know solidify that bottom six and so you know that doesn't bother me at all the Farabee thing kind of does but I think that the Flyers need a couple games with Thompson and Grant to see where they might slot in most successfully and then I think at that point they're going to bring Farabee back up and likely sit Grant uh, as the healthy scratch, assuming things work out that way. That's that's how I predict it's going to go. But, you know, again, Grant could could show something that says he deserves to stay in the lineup. But I would much rather have Farabee playing top line minutes with the Phantoms than sitting. I completely agree with you. I thought Bunneman made sense, especially after uh, the Flyers got Grant. But then it really was confusing to me that Farabee got sent down. I thought that he played well enough to secure a spot, and it was just really weird. I I, I was caught off guard by that. It's also confusing to me because, like, you know, if Grant is the one to sit, I think that was just kind of not like a waste of a pick, but I think that he's the type, type of player that you should 
that should have a spot in the lineup. He kind of reminds me of like a Tyler Pitlick. The most of the time that I've seen him, he's played center. So you know, center who's very good at uh, faceoffs, he would stay in the lineup in my opinion. I thought that Joel has played well. And just from what A.V. said and what Chuck has said, I just figured he'd stay up. But I agree with you that I'd rather him play top line minutes with the Phantoms than, you know, getting scratched or playing five minutes a night with the Flyers. You know, Thompson could end up sitting, too. It just depends on how all all of this plays out but I definitely think we need at least a couple of games with both of them in to just figure it out compared to a lot of different teams the Flyers are very healthy um so you never know within that aspect like what's gonna happen and Joel could be right back up here we we really don't know but you're right I think it's definitely we need to see from the new the new players um just to see how they fit because there's definitely going to be some lineup changes so anything else on the Flyers trade deadline think so well when we get back we will take a look at unfortunately the busy metro (laughs) all right welcome back to locked on flyers let's get into the busy metro trade deadline rachel before we start i just was overwhelmed by all the trades in the metro Uh, it was it was very listen (laughs) you have like every team but the devil's has a shot at the playoffs first off. So I think everybody was going for it in terms of doing that big deal like the Islanders did Mm -hmm. to take a giant leap forward in their eyes and, you know, to filling small needs like the Flyers did and I think the Pens did uh, to some medium-level deals like the Caps did. And then you have Carolina, who is bleeding and needed to, like, rebuild their defense. Um, Although I still have no idea why they did not get a goaltender. That's what I was... Which is their biggest problem. Yeah, I thought that the... I thought Yikes. the Canes were done. I was fully thinking, like, okay, the Canes are done. Like, that's fine. It was not fine. They continued to make moves, which was so annoying, but... Yeah. But they had to. They didn't have a choice. That's the thing is that they're just so broken that, you know, I mean, the Trocek deal, you know, was a little upsetting for me just because he's so good. Um, But they gave up quite a bit to get him. And then getting Brady Shea and Sammy Vatanen, who's hurt, to be fair, Mm -hmm. which is a bit of a risk. But Still, they needed a defenseman. They were down two of their best defensemen. Yeah. So, you know, they were kind of forced into it. But everybody else just kind of did what they needed to do, I thought. Very true. Let's start with the the Canes. So, as you stated, Rachel, they got Vincent Trotrek from Florida for Eric Halla, Marcus Walmark, or Lucas Walmark, sorry, um, Chase Prisky, who's an AHL juniors player, and then Itu... I'm going to butcher the last name, so I'm not even going to say it. And that player is also an AHL juniors player. So that was a huge deal. Then they continued and got Brady Shea from the Rangers for a first-round pick. And then they got Vatanen from the Devils for a second and a prospect uh, by the name of Kuokinen. Okay. So they were busy, like you said. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very weird. There was a lot of in-division 
stuff happening, mm-hmm. which was a little weird to me. But when the devils are the only sellers, they apparently thought it was okay to sell in division. Yeah, they did not care, which, you know, fair in their position. Um, yeah. And then the Islanders got someone we talked about a ton, J.G. Pajot from Ottawa, for a, a ransom. Wow. For a 2020 conditional first-round pick. Um, and the condition on that is if the Islanders win the draft lottery and select top three, the pick becomes a twenty-one. A 2021 first round pick. Uh, then they did a 2020 second round pick and then a 2022 conditional third round pick. And the condition in that pick is the pick is transferred if the Islanders win the 2020 Stanley Cup. That's a hefty price for Pajot. I'm thankful the Ottawa Flyers has got not. all the picks. This draft is going to be all Ottawa. They need that. So I, <laughs> I'm happy for them. Um, and then the Islanders just quickly signed JG Pajot to a contract extension for five years with an AA or a five million AAV for six years and a full no trade for two years and partial for the rest of his uh, contract. Listen, all power to JG Pajot for getting this deal and, and getting this long term contract with the Islanders. I think it could turn into the Andrew McDonald deal. <laughs> for them because I don't know how long Pajot is going to play at this sustained level. He's having a ridiculous year for him. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know that this is a six year level of play guy yeah. that you're going to get. And the Islanders are going to rapidly have to sign Matt Barzal and they could be running into some cat problems coming forward. Now as a rental, I think it's great. You know, I think I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm a little bit higher on J.G. Pajot than you are. I think, you know, it's not horrible, the contract, but it it is a little bit iffy with the fact that Barzell's contract is coming up and some of the contracts they already have on that roster aren't the best. But I think that J.G. Pajot is, he's been good for a couple of years. Like, yes, has he been at this level that he's at right now? No, but I mean, who is who else is there with him on that Sens team? You know, he's taking all the top minutes, all the, like, all the opportunity on, on that team. So it makes sense that he's racking up the points. But I don't know. It would be really interesting to see how he plays on a better team. I know that when the Sens were last in the playoffs, he was just a standout for their playoff push. So I think, yeah, I, I'm not as concerned on this, on that contract as as many others would be. But then again, if the Islanders sign a bad contract, I'm clapping. So That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, you know, I want good things for him because I'm human. But yeah. And so uh, the Penguins got Patrick Marlowe from the Sharks for a 2021 conditional third round pick. And the condition is if the Penguins win the cup, the pick will become a 2021 second round pick. Uh, Then Pittsburgh also got Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez from the Sabres for Dominic Cahoon. What did you think of this move? You know, the bringing back the former players thing is usually a Flyers move, but I guess the Pens do it every now and again. So getting Sherry back, I don't know if that's going to be make or either of these guys are going to be make or break for them. But the Pens obviously have been a little bit injury riddled. 
this year. So again, it's I think similar to the Flyers. It's just some veteran familiarity presence there that will just help them as they get into the playoff run because the, their top guys are on fire right now. So this is just so, a support system for them. Yeah, I think they definitely reshaped their bottom six. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for them. I like Evan Rodriguez, so. Okay, and Washington signed, this was a little bit before the trade deadline started, but they got Ilya Kovalchuk for a third-round pick from Montreal, and Montreal uh, retained some salary. I think it's it's a good move. He's been playing great since he was at Montreal and obviously not a, a playoff contender right now. And a good opportunity for Kovalchuk to play with Ovi. Uh, I, I think it worked out for both parties here. Mm-hmm. They also made like a smallish move. It was more like an AHL move, but they got the Caps got Daniel Sprong for Christian Juice, oh, Juice. from Anaheim. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, look at Anaheim getting another defenseman, and they're probably going to flip him and make him good because Anaheim just produces really good defensemen. Yeah, yeah, just crazy. And then the Columbus Blue Jackets got Devin Shore from the Ducks, um, and that was kind of really it for the Blue Jackets, which was kind of surprising for me. They were in on somebody until they weren't, and now mm. I'm forgetting who it was. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then the Rangers, they did not trade. Well, we talked about who they traded. They didn't get anybody, but they did re-sign a player that we all thought they were going to move. Uh, they extended Chris Kreiner um, instead of trading him. I'm not totally surprised. I mean, he wanted to stay, but it would have had to have been the right situation. And, you know, they are making a legitimate playoff push right now. And he liked everybody around him and they've been playing well. And while they did lose Shay, you know, they kept everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I think it made sense for him personally, even though he was willing to go. Um, I think the other main thing with the Rangers was their lack of dumping a goaltender because of this bizarre car accident thing that happened with Buknevich and uh, Shesterkin. I didn't hear about this. What happened? Yeah. So the two of them were in a car and got into a car wreck oh. Sunday night. And so Shesterkin is out for a few weeks with a cracked rib. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. Buknevich is day to day. He just kind of got banged up a little bit. Yeah. But um, but both of them are going to be fine. But due to that, like it, it would seem pretty clear that uh, the Rangers were going to have to uh, trade like Gorgiev. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, Hank could have been on the table, too, but it seemed highly unlikely that that was going to happen. But because of this accident, they need both of them and so couldn't trade any goaltender. And remember, they also picked up a ruby for the AHL level. So yeah. Um, I think that that was an interesting turn of events and unexpected for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm happy both players are going to be okay. Uh, So some other moves that not necessarily have anything to do with the Metro, but the Devils sent Wayne Simmons to Buffalo and he waived his no trade clause to go to Buffalo, which is so baffling to me, but very weird. At least I can finally, like, I I love Wayne and I tolerated him on the Devils, but it's good that I can finally, like, love him with my whole heart, loud and proud on the Sabres. So I'm happy about that. And then the Canucks got Louis Deming, which, 
you know, Deming's not having the greatest season, but I think that I like the Canucks getting some goaltending um, for their push. For sure, especially because, you know, they've been dealing with the injury situation. So it's mm-hmm. basically Thatcher, Demko, and, and Deming now. Yeah. Uh, and then the Oilers made some moves. They went and got Athanasiu and Tyler Ennis. Um, and then we also saw Robin Leonard uh, go to the Vegas Golden Knights from the Blackhawks, which that was actually a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, I think that they might have just felt a little uncomfortable with Malcolm Subban mm-hmm. being a little bit inconsistent as the backup. And, you know, Flowers in it, but when he's not, they really need help. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think they just felt a little bit more confident with somebody like Robin Leonard as yeah. the backup. Which makes sense. It does. And then we all had, um, we waited with bated breath because Johnny Gaudreau left the ice early and nothing happened. He just left nope. early because he had to go pee. <laughs> I know. I love He's Johnny. He's such a good troll. Yes. Like, I mean, such a good troll. When you saw his face and when he was asked about it, I was like, oh, this kid knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. So a very busy, interesting trade deadline. It was. I'm satisfied with what the Flyers did in comparison. I am, I'm, I am satisfied. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, we'll see how it plays out for sure, but I don't think that there was anything else the Flyers should have done, and I'm not overwhelmed with anything that anybody else did. Like, everything seems to have made sense for what teams needed. Agreed. Welcome back once again to Locked on Flyers, your daily Flyers podcast on the Locked on Sports Network. Today, the Flyers play the Sharks, um, and so we're going to preview them real quick. The Sharks are 26-32-4, and and recently they just lost to the Islanders on Sunday, uh, 4-1, and prior to that loss, they also lost to the Rangers, the Devils, the Panthers, and this past deadline, so not helping us out is really what no, we're saying. No, no, the Sharks did not help us out. No, 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 um, not at all. But to be honest, looking at their roster, I didn't expect them to. And now looking at how they sent out some other players, um, we're definitely going to be facing a depleted Sharks team. Yeah, they. Uh, you know, we talked about them sending Marlowe to the Pens, but they also somehow swindled a first round pick from Tampa for Barclay Goodrow, which I don't even know how. I'm surprised that Tampa would pay that. But Barclay Goodrow is is a pretty good player. I like his game, but that's surprising that Tampa would be going for that. But and then we also did see that Brendan Dillon is now with the Caps, so their their defense is already as also taking a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their last lines, um, or the, the the lines in the last game that they played, their top line was Timo Meyer, uh, Gambrell, and Thornton, and that's just such a surprising first line. Like I would not have expected that for for the the Sharks, but they, like we said, they are they have some key injuries to some key guys, and then they traded out some other ones. So um, a depleted team for sure. And some of the injuries that I uh, am referencing, Logan Couture is out, Thomas Hurdle, and Eric Carlson, which Eric Carlson just seems to not be able to take a break or catch a break. And that contract that he signed with the Sharks is not the greatest (laughs) with him always getting hurt. Nope. So when we look at the Sharks special teams, they are 26th on the power play and that 
That power play is producing at 16.2%, and that's, of course, behind the Flyers, who are 16th at 20.2%. However, their penalty kill is still ranked first in the league, and they are clicking at 86.1%, and that is ahead of the Flyers, who are 12th at 81.7%. Yeah, this is one area where... I think that unfortunately we're not going to get a really good gauge on the new guys because, you know, with um, them being a little bit of a PK specialist, that's like not what we need against the Sharks, particularly so because they have such a generally weak power play. So in that situation, you know, I'm not sure we'll get the full understanding about how the PK could look with the new guys. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it's their first game. It's their first time go uh, adjusting to this, this system of the PK. So it'll be, you know, we'll give them a couple, a couple of games, but hopefully the flyers can still have some success. Uh, and we talk about how like bad the sharks are. The last time the flyers played them, they got trounced. It was not a good game. Just looking back on this game, I was like, oh, why? Burn the tape. I don't want to see this. Yeah, I think I had wiped it from my memory Mm -hmm. for that exact reason. Uh, But then looking back at it, yeah, I'm like, oh, right. That was when Meyer got the hat trick. Yes. And yeah, that was not a great game for the Flyers. Not a great game. Tough road trip for the Flyers. Um, back in December the 28th, the Sharks won 6-1. to uh, Hart was in net and he stopped 23 of 29 shots that he saw. Um, and then, like you said, Meyer with the hat trick. Kelman scored, Ferrero scored, and Marlowe scored. Um, which we won't have to worry about that today. Um and then for the Flyers, it was just Proveroff to score the lone goal for them. Really just overall, ba- just a bad game for the Flyers. I don't even think that this team is completely, is playing completely differently than they did back then. Um, so I think if they stick to the, the defensive structure and the systems that they have had success with in the past three games, I think that this can be a game that they win convincingly. Yeah, I think so, too. Still, there are players to look out for. Brett Burns is on a, uh, in the past five games, has a four-assist point streak uh, going on. And then Dylan Gamble, who is the 1C for the Sharks, uh, has three goals in his last five games. So still some players that are obviously producing for the Sharks. Um, So definitely two people to keep an eye out on. Was there anyone in the Sharks that you thought that we should keep an eye out on? You know, it was just so hard to... tell after a trade deadline <laughs> just like I don't even know who they might call up to play in those missing slots but uh yeah hopefully it's nobody that we have to worry about specifically you're absolutely right two-thirds of their third line is gone um but I would throw in Timo Meyer like just in case because the last time he had a very nice night against the Flyers so hope here's to um that not happening tonight and then we are rounding out with goaltending which is not going great for the Sharks you have Martin Jones, who is 14, 9, 19, and 2, with a 311 goals against save per, goals against average and then a 894 save percentage. Um, and then we have Aaron Dell, who is 12, 13, and 2, with a 2.9 goals against um, and then a 909 save percentage. Yeah, let's light them up, guys. <laughs> Either one is not... Um, not too concerning. So either one that starts at net, I think it'll be Martin Jones. Um, 
let's just have a great night against them. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Anything else on the Sharks? No, I, uh, I'm actually really excited about this game now, though. Yes, me too. <laughs> so it was a pretty exciting episode. Um, a lot to talk about, a lot to think about, and a lot of excited things to keep an eye out on. We want to thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow where we will recap uh, the Sharks game and then look into our Phantoms. Since it was Tuesday, we didn't uh, preview it. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about the Phantoms. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send us in your questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers or LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle. You can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, send us an email at lockedonflyers at gmail.com. And remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good day.